In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet, hosted by a 42-year-old grown-ass man that spent $20 on a Kenny Omega action figure this week on an impulse. Mm-hmm. I am your host, uh, the aforementioned grown-ass man with a Kenny Omega action figure, Detective Mark Smarks, and I am not joined this week by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. Um, so it is just me and JLB, but we do have a surprise guest. So first, JLB, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, buddy. Can't complain, can't complain. Same old, same old. The As you know, I'm a hockey fan, so the uh, time is set for the playoffs to start. So I'm a happy camper with that, and uh, that's pretty much it, man. Still doing the same old washing hands, wearing masks, practicing social distancing, and all that fun stuff. And like I said, we are joined by another guest, a special guest, uh, Mark. Why don't you tell us uh, what's going on with you and, and what brings you here today? Yeah, how's it going, everybody? Glad to be here. So as they said, my name is Mark. I, uh, I host the Phantom Effect podcast every Friday, and uh, really it's just kind of started it when my uh, son hit getting close to three here and watching him kind of uh, form his own fandoms. I just kind of started it as a way to talk to people and shout my useless opinions at people and, you know, <laughs> not annoy my wife so much. And uh, it's been a it's been a pretty big thrill. And I'm always a, I'm a pretty big wrestling guy. So any excuse to uh, to talk about it. I am I am totally down for it. Awesome, awesome. Well, we are glad to have you on here. We um, talk wrestling a lot. Uh, it, it probably would have been wise if I would have started this podcast and decided to be like kind of overarching and talk about lots of things because uh, we can get a little nerdy into wrestling and it, <laughs> it might turn some people off a bit here, but um, we are basically lifelong wrestling fans here and uh and we are fake cops doing uh fake crime reporting on a fake sport so <laughs> that's that's what we do yes uh before we get into the wrestling crimes this week i do like to remind everyone that raw and order wbu is part of the tapness co podcast network so once you're done listening to this and of course liking sharing subscribing all of that jazz head on over to tapnessco.com check out the other shows on the network do it with. So we're going to go ahead and get into uh, the the crimes here, and we're going to give Mark a chance to do some crimes uh, in a bit, but just to make sure he uh, kind of sees the way it goes, I'll go ahead and start with my crime here. Um, and my, my crime is I am charging AEW. Um, they're, they're being charged with murder, murdering my mind with the Jericho Orange Cassidy debate this week. It uh, blew yeah. my mind. The thing was so awesome. So um, going into this week, uh, I don't know if too many people really realized how Orange Cassidy hadn't said a single word on Dynamite since launch. Not a word. And then they challenged him to a debate and they just did it so perfect. I, 
there's no other way for me to word it is it was absolutely perfect storytelling for professional wrestling even though it wasn't actually wrestling uh but just to have jericho be the smarmy heel and constantly on the offensive uh on jericho or at orange cassidy and orange cassidy just sitting there and Every time it came to his turn for the first two questions, he just didn't say anything and let it go by. And uh, then it came to the last or the third question, and it was on uh, global warming, climate change. And Jericho went off on, you know, how it's fake and all this stuff. And you're probably not even going to going to even care about it or say anything or whatever. And then Orange Cassidy just goes off on climate change, and it was great for the, his first words to not be even wrestling related. Great, but so like the first question was, uh, why do Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy hate each other so much? And of course, Chris Jericho insulted his appearance and all of this stuff, and uh, said you didn't even dress up for this. And Orange Cassidy pulls out a clip-on tie and clips it on. Um, and who's the better wrestler and who's the bigger star? And of course, Chris Jericho says that it's not even a question. I've been a champion on multiple continents and blah, blah, blah. And you're just a nerd. And Orange Cassidy doesn't respond. And why is Orange Cassidy so popular? And uh, no real response. And Chris Jericho says he's lazy and all of that stuff. Um, but the whole question about, uh, uh, about rising sea levels. And Orange Cassidy moved the microphone to his wife and then just went off on global pollution and rising uh, sea levels and all of this stuff. I thought that was perfect. And then, of course, at the end, when uh, Eric Bischoff, who was the guest moderator, announced that Orange Cassidy was the winner, uh, leading to uh, Chris Jericho throwing a fit and then Jake Hager coming in and beating up on Orange Cassidy again. Uh, it was just so perfect for me. It was it was exactly what pro wrestling storytelling can be to build up this feud. And we've talked before about how Chris Jericho knows how to build up future stars, and this is exactly what they needed to do for that. But it was so well done. I when they first announced it was going to be a debate, I really was not the word worried, but thinking, ah, oh, geez, just another one of these talk show sort of segments. Like, WWE does them all the time. You got the Kevin Owens show. You got the MVP, whatever it is, uh, VIP lounge. You've got uh, Alexa Bliss is a moment of bliss. And it was, the last thing we need is a more, another talk show segment sort of a thing. But they did it totally different, and they did it right. So, And that's the thing, too. So, first of all, uh, I... Jericho being in it right off the bat I already know that it's going to be a good time we've seen how AEW does their little monologues we saw MJF the week before do his speech and he absolutely just killed that as well Um, you know so going into this Jericho versus Cassidy in a debate uh, absolutely spot on Jericho obviously knew how to carry it knew what to say exactly I was scared that Orange Cassidy talking was going to be an issue but I think how they absolutely did it um, just spot on so genius and then adding the fact that we have Eric Bischoff uh, being the guest moderator and not and just that historical moment of this being the first time he's been on TNT in 20 years, you know, 20, 21 years. Um, absolutely segment of the night. Um, really well done. 
and yeah so that's definitely uh it definitely blew everyone's mind that i'm sure has watched it yeah yes, for yes. me it's you know uh, it, there's there's it's smart to keep jericho in the forefront obviously you know you're looking for the name recognition uh the only thing for me is like with last week like mjf like it was it was a killer promo but i don't know maybe you guys you know uh interested to hear your pins on it but do you think it's almost taking it out of kayfabe too much when you bring up ratings that much because they've been doing it a lot like you know hey like jericho and all his promos you know like i'm the reason why the 18 to 49 demo turns in and like it's funny but like i feel like it could set you up for a lot of like as soon as you get beat in that demo like you're handing so much ammunition to so many people i i agree with you i um i actually charged uh I think I was a uh, I filed a charge on Jericho for for the whole thing. Don't get me wrong, Demo God is brilliant, and so I'm all down with him for that. But bringing ratings into the thing, it does kind of break you out of the story a bit because it it's like, oh, by the way, this is a show. Just so you know, it's for show. Um, and 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 frankly, I think fans already worry too much about the ratings just in general. Like, right. uh, I don't care. If Raw draws 2 million people or 3 million people or 4 million people, I just care if it's on my TV show, uh, TV channel for me to watch and it's entertaining, right? I think if it's entertaining, you will see those numbers go up just in general. But we, we just like in the 90s, no one cared about ratings. I didn't know any wrestling fan who cared about who won the ratings. They cared about who won the entertainment factor. And for 83 weeks, well, let's say 70 of those 83 weeks, WCW won the entertainment factor. Um, that was to the ratings, though. That was the whole thing, right? Because mm -hmm. they won in the ratings war. Yeah. Um, but that's my voice. I, while they won for 83 weeks, I think 70 of them, they won the entertainment factor. And, and the thing is, when they stopped winning entertainment factor was when they started going towards stopping winning the ratings war. But I don't think fans back then cared about the rating. Uh, Eric Bischoff cared about the ratings because he was working for a TV company that got paid based on ratings. So, But fans didn't care about the ratings. They just wanted the shows to be good. And for a large section of time, you know, Nitro won because Nitro put on a more entertaining show. And when right. they stopped putting on the more entertaining show, it wasn't very long before they stopped winning the ratings. So they go hand in hand. Yeah, but I mean, even now, generally, I don't I don't even think necessarily then, like you're saying the fans didn't care. I'm sure it was talked about. We just maybe didn't hear it as much because there was no internet or, I mean, there, I guess, was, but not not really. There was no real internet and you, didn't, you weren't able really to hear people talk and so on. It was more just that war going on. Now it's more so uh, everyone's a journalist, everyone's writing their own things kind of deal, and they're talking about that more. But I really don't think ratings, anyways, at least to me, says anything about a certain product. Um, you know, just because there has been nights where Raw was really good and the ratings were really crap and that didn't mean anything to me. Like, okay, like just means there's nobody, you know, watching or they're watching a playoff game of something or they're watching something else or their favorite thing is on. So I don't think the ratings ever necessarily really mattered except to the people um, that are part of the business and part of that TV network station, like as it should be. Um, but the demo god situation, I think, um, 
they could still kind of make work even if let's say they lose in the ratings because Jericho would kind of let's say turn it off uh, turn it against oh well that's just because I wasn't on long enough or da 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 and he'll be like this cocky uh, he'll say something um, about it where he ends up being like that's why they should put me on more that's why the inner circle should be uh, on AEW you know like he'll just make it a thing uh, but I don't think it would diminish um, the product either way because at the end of the day you're going to have your WWE marks and you're going to have your AEW marks who are going to watch no matter what uh, of its separate product and there's obviously going to be both watching both either way um so yeah but i mean i'm still uh i'm still enjoying it i do think aew though was i didn't unfortunately get to watch nxt um but i know aew for sure was definitely better than raw and smackdown <laughs> and that segment certainly helped well that's the i mean that's kind of my point is i i'm not saying that we didn't pay attention to ratings back in the 90s i just know i never in the 90s had a discussion with one of my wwe friends uh as to who won the ratings the discussions were always was my show better than your right uh, yeah and, i think and, now it's just i mean tv in general i mean it goes down people are watching off of street like streaming services and different places and those don't go into those numbers at all yeah. right it's a different time yeah but but yeah so i agree i wish they would uh not focus on ratings on tv special you know what i mean um it's fine i understand the people uh, backstage at tnt are caring about the ratings right the people at usa network and fox care about the ratings but that's not that's not i shouldn't be worried about the ratings right just like i i'm a fan of insert you know, modern uh, police drama that's on, you know, Wednesday, Tuesday nights on CBS or whatever, right? I don't, I shouldn't be concerned about whether it's getting good ratings. I should just be concerned about whether it's entertaining me still and continue to watch it, right? Right. For sure. And in reality, in reality it's just Jericho poking fun at the oh, internet yeah. facts you were talking about. That's all it really is. Even if AEW does get beaten into the ratings, it still served its purpose of Jericho mentioning that. It pokes fun at those fans, and it also pokes fun at WWE, which they have clearly been doing for quite a little bit with the whole um, Taz promo when Taz did his promo there, too, with the whole COVID thing. So it's just all a little poke. A little poke 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 but i don't think it's gonna be anything serious and honestly with wb's product i don't think they have anything to worry about um at the moment so and to be fair uh, with jericho doing a fozzy concert recently having uh, a crowd there i don't see jericho mentioning demogodic yeah. sometime <laughs> i feel like he's either recorded a whole bunch of stuff for aew but tony khan is definitely getting i'm sure getting pressured because i've seen the twitter world uh bashing jericho about that and i'm sure tony khan's gonna have to set some kind of example because uh that was completely stupid on jericho's part uh, yeah it was like do. out of the blue well it's one of the ones that one of his shows that didn't get canceled because he, he he can't he, his whole entire uh tour was postponed but then there was some shows that weren't canceled and decided to do it and he maintained that they were on the tour bus and everything was good and everybody was uh practicing social distancing or tested or whatever have you but there's no way no yeah it's too hard to control <laughs> that's it so great job jericho one job <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that being said, reportedly his segment for this week, um, this coming week, the match with uh, Orange Cassidy, the $7,000 pay for my jacket match, has already been recorded. So even this coming week, Jericho will be on it, even if he has to sit out 14 days for COVID. Uh, And that's it. And I mind as I'm that's why I was saying I hope he's recorded a bunch of stuff um for AEW for them to use because I don't think Tony Khan will allow him to be there present uh Lee in the next two weeks anyways so maybe we'll get another Manitoba melee (laughs) maybe (laughs) I'm down for that too so either way it works 100% now um with us talking so much about ratings, it does uh, make sense to at least bring up that um, AEW this week drew over 900,000 viewers. Wow. Nice. Over 900,000. NXT drew 750,000 viewers, um, which means between the two, we had uh, 1,650,000-some thousand people watching wrestling on a Wednesday night. And to me, that's that's more important than the ratings between the two, because that's talking about overall people watching wrestling on a Wednesday night. That's almost as many people as watched Raw on Monday night. And Raw has had 30 years to build an audience on Monday night. Right, exactly. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. That's crazy to me. And you know, we've talked before about how, at least here in the States, Wednesday nights have never been big wrestling night right you had monday nights you always had monday night raw you had the monday nitro the monday night wars uh thursday nights you had um thunder for wcw eventually you had thursday night smackdown friday night smackdown had moved to that for a while and then they moved to tuesday night and then they moved back to friday nights but wednesday was never a wrestling day in the states and for nearly 1.7 million people to t- tune in on a Wednesday night. That's a big deal. Uh, and it doesn't matter who won in terms of who got the most viewers out of it. Wrestling fans won because we got two great shows this week. So, yeah, it's true. Very valid. Yeah, completely agree with that. But so that's my charge uh, for my main crime this week. Uh, I loved the Jericho OC uh, segment. There were so many good segments on on Dynamite this week that I could talk about, but that was like the standout best segment for me, and I just had to charge that number one. So we will go ahead and move on to crime number two. Uh, JLB, you want to go here? Yeah, let's do it. So crime number two is going to have to be the thing that's been shoved down our throats this entire week, and that's... uh, I'm charging WWE for creating uh, a faction called Retribution and ultimately being the most unorganized faction in the world um, and doing completely pointless stuff. Um, And just, yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like they don't even know what they're doing with this faction just when they come out and when they they bash the ring and well especially on smackdown when they came out and destroyed everything there and first of all they used a toy choi- uh, a toy chainsaw um which i guess fine but don't zoom in on the chainsaw and let us see that it's fake um was just mind-boggling to me considering this was most probably filmed beforehand um 
but yeah, I'm just charging WWE for not knowing what to do with the faction or not having a real script to make it more entertaining or us actually uh, focus on this group. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm just mind blown as well, but I'm bamboozled as to what WWE is doing with this. You. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I just don't know. But yeah, that definitely gets my, that gets my crime of the week. Um, and it's obviously a negative one just cause I don't know. What do you think? Well, no, I, <laughs> I agree with you here. I mean, all the insider reports have it, like even Meltzer talked about it, uh, this week that everyone he's talked to says they don't know what they're doing. They, they're just booking it on the fly. Every week they're like, hey, let's, you know, or here's SmackDown, let's have Retribution do this. Uh, it's Raw, let's have Retribution do this. Uh, to be perfectly honest, if they would have kept with the storyline as they did it on Raw, I might not have as big of a problem with it, where it's just this gang of people showed up outside and threw a Molotov at their uh, power transformer and, you know, and are causing, causing chaos there. But bringing them into the ring and having them destroy the ring, I, I felt like that was maybe escalating the storyline faster than it had developed. You know what I mean? Like, where's um, the security? They get yeah. into the... Yeah. You know? no, yeah. They weren't in that taping to... session, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had to be sent home. They had COVID, so... Uh, yeah. Security. I, to to me, I got, like... What you guys were talking about, I, I got, like, early S.H.I.E.L.D. vibes or, like, Nexus when... Yeah. That's literally what they did. They they came out and destroyed everything. But Nexus had at least you know a pre-built kind of following from like the hardcore NXT fans, mm-hmm. and obviously the Shield came out and did their thing before they were like destroying destroying things. I think with this, like you guys are saying, they're just no one knows who these people are, so there no one can really like get behind the you know oh are they seeking retribution because they're overlooked? Well, I don't I can't I don't know if they're overlooked because who are they? And, you know, you well, read the rumors the that it's like, yeah, it's like Dijakovic and some other people that were supposed to get called up and didn't. And it's like, OK, if that's the case, that could be a good storyline. But you should, like, have one of them maybe unmasked, like Dijakovic or something, somebody to be a mouthpiece a little and, bit here. And the, the simple fact is we know for certain that Dijakovic is not one of the people doing it right now because all of these people are normal sized and Dijakovic yeah, is huge. ginormous. You know what I mean? And so none of these people are big enough to be Dijakovic. Um, I, I, I'm down with it being Dijakovic. And I, you know, when he changed his Twitter handle and all of that stuff, I was relatively certain that he was going to be involved with it. But the reports, like Dave Meltzer's report this week, is that they don't even at the moment know who's going to be in it, right? They, they're like, we're gonna have this faction. Let's just, and so the people out there are just a bunch of uh, enhancement talents from the performance center, and are different at each taping because they're just like, hey, who wants to be in Retribution today? You, 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 and you. Okay, we're gonna have you guys do it. Um, right. And so WWE doesn't even 100% know, which is part of the problem. You know, the two factions that you mentioned, Nexus and Shield, both of them from day one, from their first appearance on main roster TV, were the same people, right? They didn't start off with three jobbers um, in masks and then and then unmask them three weeks later, and it's Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. From the day one when they set foot on Raw, it was 
Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins. Um, same with the Nexus. When they first came out, it was the same group of people. And that's a big difference in here, you know? We, yeah. We've got, like you say, a whole bunch of faceless people come out. Just people in hoodies and, and face masks. And, and I was wondering, I feel like, and I also feel like, too, this is not going to be the main people either, though. This is going to be something like the Dark Order, where these are like the minions, and then we're eventually going to find out who are the leaders. Because no one in that group, like I mentioned, really seems like a leader. They just mm-hmm. seem like they're just, all right, the leader's telling them to go out there and doing this. So they're going to build up to that, which where I think is still Dijakovic is going to be. And that's why we don't notice his figure or anything, because he's just going to randomly show up at some point. But again, this is also just looking really ridiculous and really silly. Um, and and lot- the thing is mixing especially when they did this on raw like it was just too much i felt you wanted to do the underground raw underground thing which we didn't know if that had anything to do with retribution but it looks like it doesn't or maybe it can because they mentioned that shane was going to have a faction like i don't know because then they didn't do the underground thing on smackdown and but we did see retribution so maybe there's no correlation there at all and I'm just bamboozled because then you just had too much randomness going on uh, for Raw and then you just had Retribution look completely stupid on SmackDown. Yeah, no, like I said, I don't think, I, I just don't think they have any idea what exactly they're doing with Retribution. Um, because when they specifically first said, uh, you know, hey, we're going to have a new faction and and then they don't even really debut a faction. They just show video from the backstage well first the, first of all don't announce there's going to be a new faction if you want it to be a bunch of punks destroying stuff that's not the way you debut a new faction we can look back at the history of wrestling and every new faction especially the ones who have come in like retribution to destroy things and shake things up they all came in unannounced that's kind of the key to these things right <laughs> WCW didn't didn't send out a fax report to all the news stations that hey tune in tonight because uh, there's going to be a new faction showing up with Scott Hall. Um, they just had Scott Hall show up, and then later they had Kevin Nash show up with Scott Hall, and that's what turned them into the biggest faction of all, right? I mean, you, you can argue back and forth whether. DX was a bigger faction or whatever, but I think it's it's pretty clear to see that NWO changed professional wrestling and every other faction is held up to that standard. But that's the deal. Don't I mean if you don't have a plan for them, don't announce it and don't try to build it up because you know I was watching going on what this new faction is going to be, and then you're like, oh, they're just a bunch of jerks with a Molotov. <laughs> And I think they just wanted ratings, right? Like, that's all it was. Tune in, it's going to be a new faction. So they wanted to boost up the ratings, which I don't remember what the raw ratings are. Um, I think it went up, but not, you know, by like a teeny amount. Okay. Yeah. Well, because then they saw what was going on. They were like, what the hell is this? Like, it really seemed like a stupid show. Um, Because one, we literally thought what was happening, at least for the first five minutes, was due to the storm that was happening uh, in Florida. Uh, But then they kept on saying it too many times and we're like, okay, this is someone messing up. Um, I feel like this is going to be like another hacker situation. They're not going to know what to do with it. (laughs) They're just not going to talk about it anymore. Yeah, that's the deal. Well, 
the hacker situation is another example of WWE not knowing what the F it's doing. Um, because the simple fact that hacker situation could have turned into something good if they would have given it a payoff of some sorts, right? But yeah. they didn't, and uh, all reports have it that Mustafa Ali was the one that they were planning on doing it. But he was on SmackDown. They did the, the all of that stuff on SmackDown for weeks, and then they stopped doing it. And then weeks and weeks go by, and then suddenly Mustafa's on Raw. What? Yeah. And they don't talk about the, the hacker at all. Now, the simple fact is Retribution, a bunch of punks trying to destroy stuff, goes hand in hand with a hacker ID, you know? They could have still done, they could have just done the hacker as the leader of Retribution and rolled on with it, even if they didn't want it to be Mustafa anymore. Um, Which, I mean, they still tech can, because then you can have a, a, a vignette of another hacker thing going on and then Retribution coming out or something. You could kind of tie them because everyone right now has completely forgot about the hacker situation because they haven't talked about it for a long time. So, I mean, just to put two things together and just say hey guys look, look there's a conclusion happy you know but they don't know what they're doing at all yeah they they yeah. definitely could do a big net yeah exactly yeah i mean it's connect the dots at least on something like so there's a payoff that's it well yeah i mean we've talked before on this show about uh long-term booking is not wwe's forte anymore it no. used to be a long time ago, they knew how to book storylines for months at a time, but now they're so concerned week to week with ratings that they don't ever do anything long term. And and so much of it comes down to the man in charge, Vince McMahon. You know, reports had it this week up till an hour or two before filming that he was throwing out large sections of the script that they'd worked on, right? How can you expect to put together a quality show with good storytelling if you're changing the script last minute every freaking week, you know? Yeah, there's eventually, you know, like is we're really obviously wrestling fans, we can suspend disbelief, you know, to a pretty large extent, but after a while of just drop storylines and drop pushes and, you know, like stuff never going anywhere, you're kind of just like you get worn out you're like all right i'd rather watch something that at least gives me a payoff where i can suspend my disbelief and be happy versus something that i just get annoyed when everything's just cut off all the time mm -hmm. and yeah it's kind of also why too we saw bruce pritchard announced that he was stressed out or we saw one of the dirt sheets mentioned that bruce pritchard was stretched stressed out he was tired um and all that because he is taking care of both shows vince probably is not liking half of what's going on he's tearing up storylines and all this and remaking it on the spot and that's you know it's causing one i imagine the the writers just fed up and just don't care anymore so this is what you end up getting because just like at a workplace right if you're the one doing all the work and you go to the boss and the boss is like oh i don't like this but i spent two weeks on it no i don't like it it's done and you know you constantly never get encouragement you get demotivated and you end up being lackluster and or quit or get fired and so on and that's i feel how vince mcmahon is as a boss now he's just mm -hmm. so everywhere you know and that's probably the morale backstage is completely horrible yeah I have, I have quite an interesting story that pretty much ties into exactly what you just said with the past job see like that's it so uh it's the same thing everywhere you know you're working under a boss the boss is not appreciating their employees the employees get fed up they get tired they end up not putting their full um 
full skills on the line for that job anymore because they don't care because the boss doesn't care and that's what you end up with you end up with a product like WWE is now for all of the world to see well i mean the simple fact is we've seen this exact uh thing play out in hollywood over years right um i don't know uh everyone knows that i'm a big nerd right and uh superman is my my kryptonite if that makes any sense uh superman is my favorite character right the warner brothers movies um of the dc properties superman and batman right now are not in a good spot and they're not in a good spot a lot because the warner brothers executives kept sticking their little fingers into the movie and and making changes instead of allowing the director and screenwriter to craft a product that was cohesive and told a good story you know the director and the writer would put together this story and then uh warner brothers executives would come in and say no you need to change this you need to make it more funny you need to make it more actiony you need to turn the colors up and make it brighter and in the end they came out with garbled piles of mess you know none of them even felt like a cohesive movie and on their own because they didn't uh, you know the the justice league movie that came out was a mess because it felt like two different movies one of them directed by jack zack snyder and one of them directed by joss whedon and uh because it didn't feel like either one of them as a finished finished product it it was not fun to watch that's what's happening in WWE, right? <laughs> you, they've hired a team of writers. They've hired Bruce Pritchard to be the head of creative and try to put this all together. And then uh, Vince McMahon comes in and says, "Nope, that's not good S word," and changes shit. And yeah, it's we're getting it's getting to the point where it's like you're you're booking for things that you find good or you find entertaining, and not what like the ratings or the fans have proven that they want to watch you're like no that that there's no way people find that entertaining but they'll find this entertaining and when you become so engrossed in what your own opinion is when you're running obviously something uh to that scale like you're gonna get what you have going on today which is just chaos yeah i'm super curious as to when vince stopped caring because that's what it has to be and i know you mentioned in the past uh smarks that you know vince is a businessman he doesn't necessarily care about wrestling necessarily he's just a businessman does it make me the most money and so on but even then he still had a care for the product um we've seen in the 90s how it was what happened um even in the early 2000s it was still pretty decent um you know, nothing is the attitude era, of course, but there was still some kind of handling and care with the product. Well, some of it has to do with uh, reports have had it that over the years, about every year, his grasp on control of it has gotten tighter. So in the 90s, uh, he had he tried to control everything and then WCW came along and, and stole its thunder and started pushing boundaries and pushing ed- edges. And at that point, Vince McMahon pivoted and he hired writers and he hired storytellers and he put his faith in the wrestlers to tell a good storyline. And he stopped holding such tight control over it and he let the wrestlers tell stories, right? And then uh, as he started to win the ratings war in the end and then came out on top, he started tightening his control back up. That's when him and Stephanie, Stephanie's a big part of this here, uh, started to insist on script writers that every promo is script. You know, before that, in the 90s, in professional wrestling as a whole, 
No one scripted anything. Do you think someone wrote a script for an Ultimate Warrior promo? Right. I don't think <laughs> that would have been weird. <laughs> that would have been interesting. I mean, that writer should have been fired if anyone wrote a script for Ultimate Warrior, because not even Ultimate Warrior, I think, knew what he was saying. <laughs> exactly <laughs> my point. Um, yeah. But they were riveting. Like I, I've. I've gone on the record saying Ultimate Warrior made no sense in any of his promos, and yet at the same point, as a little boy, I watched them with glee, right? I was like, hee hee hee, Ultimate Warrior all goes up into the cosmos and brings all the power down to the little warrior. <laughs> okay, that sounds good to me. Uh, That's ma- it. M- Macho Man coming out, cream rises to the top. No one wrote that. That came out of his little brain. Uh, And it was entertaining. Um, But then as they got more and more tightly controlled and and started scripting things, now the stories weren't coming from the wrestlers. The wrestlers didn't have things invested in them. They were scripted by someone else. And then slowly that control became more and more. And again, Vince McMahon has a long history of not being a wrestling fan, right? He He didn't buy the company from his dad or um or inherit it from his dad because he was a fan he did it because he was a businessman and he saw a business opportunity with it and there's nothing inherently wrong with that but at the same point you have to then allow the people who are fans of the product to run it right uh on the other side we have aew which was founded by tony khan a lifelong wrestling fan um you can find Um, recordings of ECW shows where Tony Khan as a 13 year old boy uh, is sitting in the front row right oh wow okay you know he is is a long time wrestling fan and so he understands what wrestling fans want to see and that's why uh, I think AEW is slowly going up in in fans opinions because because it's a it's it's a love letter to wrestling is what it is often. So um, yeah, I like that wording. And 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 you know he knows. I mean he's backstage. He's coming up with most of the storylines supposedly. Uh, but every report has it that he comes to, uh, you know the thing. He comes up with a storyline, and then he goes to the wrestlers and he says, "Hey, by the way, this is what I'm wanting. How would you do this, right?" What, uh, how would you say this? And the wrestlers all just just say, here's what I would do. This is what I think would make sense here. And, okay, say that. Do that. You know? Yeah. That's... Oh, that's good S-word. That's good S-word. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, fair. Fair. But, uh, Mark, let's let's get to your crime, good sir. Let's, uh, what's been egging you on this week? What do you want to charge a certain wrestling promotion, whether it be good or bad. Yeah, so I, I was thinking that's what you guys were talking about it, so hopefully I'm doing this right, and uh, I don't know if it's just this week, but it's a lot of articles I'm reading up on this week, so I, uh, if I'm doing this right, uh, I don't want to be super negative, but I'm going to charge uh, Vince McMahon with a form of extortion, and kind of along with the lines that we were just talking about, because, you know, I, I pay... The WWE Network, you know, I, I pay that fee per month. I used to buy pay-per-views, but, you know, you see all the articles, and I know you guys clearly read them too, but, like, you know, Ricochet, Aleister Black, Mustafa Ali, 
you know, repeatedly, you know, Chad Gable, uh, I mean, the list can go on and on forever where, you know, they build up all these constant. The Triple H will spend so much time building these guys up in NXT, send them to Raw or SmackDown, and then Vince just decides, you know what? No, people, the fans aren't going to like these guys. Uh, I know what they're going to like. So they're going to like, they're going to like this. And it's just gotten to the point where I'm just like, that's why I, I watch like highlights and a lot of stuff, but some days I can't bring myself to watch Raw or SmackDown because I'm like, what's the point? You know, he's going to, Vince is going to decide to change something last minute. I'm still going to shell out uh, like some money for stuff. Uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, this guy who runs this company I'm, I've been a fan of, you know, for 10 plus years, at the end of the day, doesn't give a, you know, a holy S about any of the fans. And uh, I just feel like he's just holding the company hostage at this point to, you know, rather than turn it over to someone like you guys said, like, like a Tony Khan, you know, someone who could actually, you know, be a fan and want to do something with the company. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, well, I mean, Triple H essentially, um, you know, is the one who supposedly is supposed to take over. And, you know, this guy has been a fan. He's been a wrestler. He's doing it. He's working the creative over at NXT. Um, no, he, although he's no longer the, what is it, the COO? What was it? I don't know what his. Yeah, he got like demoted to like the executive vice president of like talent or something. Mm-hmm. something like that so he was pro he was demoted there but then there was still talk that he's gonna be the one taking over after vince leaves in the sense of creative direction which um you know i think triple h is would still have uh still be good at it you know what i mean he's doing wonders with nxt what sure nxt is not great all the time but it's certainly a better product than what's going on in raw and smackdown and really just anyone who doesn't have their head up their wazoo um and you know who watches other products who takes from what the fans are saying because i'm sure vince is just stuck uh you know in his basement or in his uh, titan tower office and um just thinking of all the ways all the things that he would like to do because people like ricochet gable uh alistair black um you know uh tozawa because that's my boy akira tozawa um would get a better shot they've been getting good shots when they were over at nxt but once you bring them to the main roster full-fledged crime of extortion um and that just obviously would piss triple h right right the hell off too because he spent all those years um molding them and all that to be pooped on essentially by vince mcmahon so that's a that's a hell of a charge and i completely would agree 100 percent I mean, yeah, the simple fact is the reports all have it that um, pretty much any NXT wrestler you talk to right now, if asked, do you want to go up to the main roster? Almost all of them say, no, I'd rather stay in NXT. And a lot of that comes down to it's not just Triple H, uh, but it's a lot him. Um, I think it's a lot that Triple H takes a little bit more of a hands-off approach to NXT. He's like, tell a great story. I'm going to be involved in the storylines and everything, but I also want the the creative backstage, the people that we hire and pay money to write this script to do what they're going to do. 
and tell the good story, right? I'm not going to come in there and step over everything. I'm sure he he takes charge on some things and changes some things here and there. You know, if he's high on Keith Lee, he's going to book Keith Lee to win or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But I think he trusts his staff to do so much better. And some of it is his staff is a lot of people that he uh, is really close with. You know, it's HBK. It's uh, Road Dog. you know? It's people that, that he's been involved with for a long time. And so he allows them to, to have this freedom that uh, Vince McMahon doesn't allow his staff to do. Um, right. And so, yeah, you know, just just let it let it go, man. I here's the deal, uh, Mr. McMahon, if you are listening, <laughs> um, uh, because we know you listen. Because every time we we book something really shitty on this show, it ends up showing up in the near future on Raw. So, um, Mr. McMahon, just let it go. Let someone else take over and run it. You can still be the CEO and the the man in charge of day-to-day operations at WWEHQ, right? You can still be the one who gets all the glory and the paycheck, but let other people do their jobs. That's what it comes down to. You pay these people money to do something, just let them do it, right? Don't Don't come in and change things all the time. Just say, here, I trust you to write a storyline. And then if um, after six months they're not writing good storylines and your ratings are still in the toilet, now you know that they weren't doing a good job, right? And you can roll on to someone else. But you spent all this time and energy hiring Eric Bischoff last year, hiring Paul Heyman to take charge of your show, and then you never let them actually do anything, right? Yeah. And and then you fire them because they didn't make the ratings go up. You never gave them the chance to do it. Yeah, right? the, building stars takes time, you know. You know, pushing, you know, you know, it came out, you know, Paul Heyman was pretty big on, on Ricochet and Cedric Alexander and Aleister Black and ratings are going down, but you know, like, like you just said, like, it takes time for people to start getting invested in these people. Like you gotta be willing to take a little hit. And it's not like they're hurting. It's not like you were hurting for money. You know, uh, USA or in Fox are not going to pull your TV deals because you had a rough couple months. Right. And Saudi Arabia gave you a billion dollars, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not hurting for money right now. So l- let the storylines play out. And part of that is when you have a storyline that you want to do, make it a storyline. Don't make it a, a uh, we'll figure it out as we go sort of a thing. Well, I'm talking about you, Retribution. Just, <laughs> just come up with stuff. Because here's the deal. like So many of the things right now, uh, even the ones that I think I know where they're going, I'm not confident that they're going to allow them to go there, whether I want them to or not. Um, you know, I, my, one of my crimes last week was the direction of uh, the Alexa Bliss character on SmackDown right now uh, with the whole her being attacked and kidnapped by Bray Wyatt, the fiend and all of that stuff. And I still think they're they're going to be telling a Sister Abigail story with it. Really? Even after that, this I, I, did, I did see some stuff on that, that yeah. people are leaning that it's going to be, she's going to be like the new Sister Abigail. And that's why he's so interested in her because she's like the reincarnation of Sister Abigail. And he knows. Yep. 
And I'm I'm not down with that as a storyline. I don't want that to happen. But at the same time, I would rather it actually happen than WWE to do what I think they're going to do, which is tease it for three weeks. And then when the ratings aren't good enough for those three weeks, just cut and run and never mention it again. Yeah, right. if it leads to Alexa Bliss turning heel, I'm I'm also for it to an extent. But yeah, like you said, like there needs to be a somewhat payoff, even if it's a crappy payoff, like when uh, when they revealed that Eric Rowan was carrying around a plastic spider. As dumb <laughs> as that was, and as much of a lame payoff as you can get, it, you know, at least there was something with it. We were like, all right, at least it's over, and I don't have to wonder about it anymore. It was something. Yeah, but now we're in that, though, because then we see Braun Strowman come on SmackDown and say, oh, I don't care about Bliss, like, kind of thing, and then he challenges him to SummerSlam. So it's like, okay, so Bray did this to get you to come out and fight him, and then Braun says he doesn't even necessarily, like, he, he didn't say it just to kind of, like, say it to leave her alone. He sounded, said it, like, because now he's a monster, and I don't care about Bliss, I don't care about anyone, all I care about is... Uh, beating you or whatever so I'm just kind of like then why is Bliss even here what's going to be the meaning of the sister Abigail then um, you know it's just so weird so if you're not going to try to traumatize or uh, get Braun Strowman to um, I don't know if you're not going to get him to linger out into doing whatever you want because he wants Bliss back then why is Bliss even in this story now so they've even ruined that because granted it's probably just random writing that Vince tore up and just said oh, okay no this is good Braun's not gonna care about Bliss mm-hmm. like, I don't know. well that's the deal is I I don't think Alexa Bliss was brought in uh to the storyline for any storyline directly with Braun Strowman anymore I, I really do think it was Vince McMahon saw that how the internet reacted to the cameo of Alexa Bliss in the Swamp Fight, um, which, again, we've talked about this before, was all in Braun's head. Right. right? That was the storyline. She was not actually there. This was the uh, Bray Wyatt the Fiend psychologically manipulating Braun Strowman. That was the storyline there. But I feel like Vince McMahon and creative saw how how many people reacted on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Oh, my goodness. Alexa Bliss is, is Sister Abigail. And they said, oh, that's what they want. It's not what we want. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I like I agree with you, Mark. I 100 percent want Alexa Bliss to go back to heal Alexa Bliss. She is so good at that role. Right. We can argue back and forth, and I have argued with other wrestling fans about Alexa Bliss's in-ring skill. Um, I think she's vastly improved over where she was, um, but she's never going to be uh, Charlotte Flair or Sasha Banks, right, in the ring. Um, That's two naturally gifted in-ring performers. Alexa Bliss is always going to be a step behind that um, in terms of her in-ring skills. I get that, but... As a total package, she's got mic skills that Charlotte and uh, uh, Sasha Banks lack. Sasha Banks can be downright eh on the mic sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't like, know about Charlotte. You can't touch Charlotte, though. Listen, Charlotte, I don't know, man. I, I would say yeah. Charlotte's the top. Bliss is up there, but uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> 
Charlotte's uh, ability. I'll get yeah, Charlotte in ring, it, you can't question Char- it, but I I can't stand her as a character or. That's what I'm saying. In ring, Alexa Bliss can't touch Charlotte. I'm 100% there. But when it comes to on the mic, Charlotte basically does the same promo every time. I'm the queen. I'm great. No one else can touch me. Woo with five O's. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then she swirls her robe and leaves the robe. Mm-hmm. And it, they've um, also shown like you can look at different stuff. You know, like they brought Charlotte to NXT. They ruined Rhea Ripley, and the ratings did nothing. They bring in Shasha Banks, who has more of that star appeal. Ratings go up for NXT, and she helps establish Io Shirai as like uh, mm-hmm. like a champion. So I think Charlotte also has that. You know, cool. Your dad's Ric Flair, but you just you don't have his star power. You don't have his it factor. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, the thing with Alexa Bliss that you have to remember is she had a very, very limited run on screen in NXT. Very, very limited, right? She made a couple appearances as, as the Sparkle Princess. She then came out a few times with um, uh, Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake as their heel. Uh, group thing and then she got called up to the main roster she never had a run uh for the the women's championship in nxt she never had a title at all in nxt she just gets pulled up to the main roster and sent to the wolves there uh charlotte bailey sasha banks becky lynch all had high profile runs in nxt and then they're brought up to the main roster with fanfare. These are NXT champions coming to the main roster. And Alexa comes out and has to cut her teeth with no fanfare and no following from NXT. And and I, like I said, I'm not going to be the one who says that she's the best in-ring performer, right? But if you watch her first match in on WWE main roster, and you watch one of her more recent matches, or even one of her matches uh, for the Raw Championship when she was the Raw Champion. It is night and day her performance. Oh, she is definitely she is made oh, a ton yeah. of improvement, right? But then you add in the fact that I would argue on the mic she is she is bar none the best female heel on the mic in WWE, in my opinion. Um, she may be the best female on the mic in WWE. Um, you have Becky to kind of contend with there, uh, because Becky's great on the good space. Yeah, but I think the I think the the key difference for me is like back like Bliss can cut a long promo for a heel. Becky can cut an amazing promo, but they're always short and mm-hmm. to the point. I think if it if, if I think Becky would struggle with that longer promo where you know you're having to talk for two or three minutes where Bliss has proven she can spend five minutes just shred you know t- tearing everyone to shreds and you're entertained the whole time. Yeah. But so so again, I'm 100% down with heel Alexa Bliss coming back. I think there's better ways to have done it than via the fiend. Um, I think they they even were building up to it with the whole Nikki Cross thing. Nikki Cross finally turning on Alexa because Alexa couldn't help her win the championship. And and so then Alexa's like, well, then F you, man, I'll show you. Um, and turn on Nikki when Nikki's in another match for the championship, cost Nikki the match, and maybe even go out and win the championship herself, you know? And so now Nikki feels like Alexa stole her spotlight. That's a storyline that they've been working on for months and then abandoned 
to put Alexa with the freaking theme. <laughs> right. It's a it's a swerve. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, in a total aside note right now, um, I have to tell you, this whole conversation has been very, very weird on my end, and I'll tell you why. I recently came into possession of a pair of Amazon Echo Frame. I don't know if you're aware of what these are, but they're basically an Echo Dot for your face. Hmm. They, they, they're glasses frames. You can put prescription lenses in them. Uh, wear them like normal glasses, but they've got microphones and speakers in the ears to talk to you, and they're always listening for your Amazon Echo uh, wake word, which is the word Alexa. Uh, so every time I've been saying that... Sorry, uh, I did not hear that. That's why I heard that before. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, was like, I was like, why is Siri so concerned with this conversation right now? Yeah, I was wondering if that was coming through on the mic at, at all, but that is what's happening here, is that is coming from my glasses, because every time I would say that phrase, that word, my glasses would start listening to me and then be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that's it. Just say bliss from now on, but I think we're pretty yeah, much yeah. I think I think we're done with that part. It's of good the to know, though. Yeah. <laughs> It's been it's been very distracting because I've been trying to actually carry out a conversation and my glasses have been yelling at me in my ears. But anyways, no, I mean I I agree with the charge of him. Um, I think I think holding a WWE hostage is a viable charge for Vince McMahon, and um, I think we shall press charges on that. And now we will move on to misdemeanors. So misdemeanors are smaller charges, typically not uh, going as in-depth on them. And I only have two uh, this week. Uh, yeah, got- so so um, one of them is I am charging Santana and Ortiz with destruction of private property for their brutal attack on Trent's mom's van. <laughs> Come on, guys. What did Trent's mom ever do to you? That was a really well-built storyline, though. It was well done. Hey, mom, I want to borrow the van. Oh, okay, just take care of it. And then, bam, the yeah, port ruin it. I, when they released the video earlier in the day of Trent and Chucky calling Trent's mom and asking to borrow the van, and she said, just make sure you, you don't damage it or whatever. I was like, ah, fuck, Trent's mom's van is getting destroyed tonight, isn't it? <laughs> and sure enough... Or, uh, I can't wait for them to apologize to his mom. That should be pretty funny. <laughs> that, yeah, that'll be a good thing. But so, and then the other misdemeanor I have right now is I am charging myself with a misdemeanor because because last week I charged AEW over the air quotes random draws for the AEW Deadly Draw Women's Tag Tournament because the reports had come out that um, Brandy and uh, Allie were going to be tag partners, even though this was supposed to be a random draw. And I was like, how convenient that they happened to be a random draw together. Oh my God. Um, But then um, Tuesday, no, Monday night, Monday afternoon was when it was, uh, they aired the first episode of the Deadly Draw. I don't know if either of you got to watch it yet. Uh, I did. I did watch you it. You did? Awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, and they 
they actually did the storyline where Brandy drew the color from the hat. And I think it was purple for whatever reason. That's what I'm remembering. Uh, and maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But And then while she's uh, talking to uh, Dasha Gonzalez about, hey, I drew purple. I wonder who drew purple. They specifically show Allie looking into the hat and reaching in to grab the matching purple coin. So they okay. did it by storyline. It wasn't a random draw for them because by storyline, Allie cheated to make sure it was them together. So that's why I get charged with filing a false police report for charging AEW last week. Yeah, that's a major crime, bud. Man, that's a rough one. <laughs> I'm going to get demoted back down to Officer Mark Smarks. There you go. Um, I just have, so I might have two. So one of my misdemeanors is going to be Raw Underground. Um, because, well, yeah, it's definitely a misdemeanor just because, honestly, it's not as bad as the, um, what was it called? The boxing thing that they had. Oh, the Brawl, Brawl for All. Not as bad as the Brawl for All, but it's pretty up there. It's pretty random, and it's not going to stick. Um, and then MVP and Lashley going in and just killing everybody. It was just really weird and random, and I felt like Shane didn't even know what was going on either. He was just there, like, "Okay, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hype you up. Let's, let's go." Uh, yeah. So I don't know what they're gonna do with that. I guess I'm still curious as to what's gonna happen next week on Raw. Um, but yeah, that's just again pointless writing one more time. Um, yeah. What do you do? You guys got anything on that? Like, I, I get the feeling that that was a perfect example of one of the things that got changed last minute because Vince McMahon came in. I yeah. feel like they had a deeper plan for it and uh, Vince was like, nope, nope, nope. That being said, I think it's a misplaced uh, plan one way or another. Um, I watch wrestling not because it's like MMA. I watch wrestling because it's not like MMA, right? right. The simple fact, if I want to watch MMA, I have lots of ways to watch MMA, right? There are tons of MMA places out there that yeah. I can watch. Bellator and UFC and yada, 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 right? Um, I watch wrestling because it's wrestling, not because it's MMA light. So trying to set this up like it's an underground fight club on WWE and it's more MMA-like. They don't have ropes and they're allowed to punch and, and destroy people like that. That's not what I tune into wrestling to watch. And that's where I think it's a misplaced concept. But, you know, I, I, I just... It's so funny to me that WWE still to this day tries to claim that they're not letting things like AEW change their booking, right? We're not concerned with what AEW does. We're going to put on our own product, yada, yada, yada. Yet AEW comes and gets a little edgy and does things like have blood on TV, have blading and people getting busted open and, and all that stuff. And all of the sudden, WWE just like flips a switch and tries to go back to Attitude Era. You know, they're like, let's have scantily clad women dancing. Um, let's be edgier. Let's I enjoyed it, but I mean, yeah, it was very random. Uh, yeah, that's three girls on a stripper pole, like, hey, ladies, hi, how's it going? You know, like, yeah, it's different, I, better than the brawl for all. Weird. It's if they're trying to copy when AEW has like their special stuff, like Bash at the Beach and stuff, and there's like women in bikinis, like 
on the side because that's the you know that's they're probably trying to be edgier so yeah i i, I agree with that misdemeanor for for raw underground because it i agree there probably was some deeper plan for a lot of these things and vince was like let's just throw them all in a two-week period and see which ones boosts the ratings the highest and then whatever one works we'll just we'll go with that one yeah. um and so i would not be surprised if in three weeks we don't hear anything about raw underground again um they'll do it for a few weeks they'll see it doesn't pop the ratings enough and they'll move on to something else um yeah i wish uh you know we've jokingly mentioned them watch uh, listening to this show and taking all of our dumb ideas what they really should do is take some of our good ideas every once in a while um i mentioned the other day i think it was with with uh da fabe on fantasy booking that uh wwe really needs to bring back an authority figure on the main roster right i'm not saying a heel authority figure we don't have to go all the way back to heel vince mcmahon running the show on screen and <laughs> getting stunned by stone cold but right now by storyline who's booking the matches who's yeah. behind the yeah. feuds who's who's behind um who gets a shot at the champion there's yeah, no storyline reason for any of that, right? Stephanie, technically, because yeah. we've seen Stephanie come. Well, yeah, I mean, she did that brief appearance during like the WrestleMania. I mean, it's probably, I mean, it is her, but I, I do agree. Like a general manager or something like that gives gives you a sense of like, oh, okay, like yeah, I, this could go somewhere. Like, like the only the only time that I was entertained by 205 Live was when they had a mix of like. Enzo and like Drake Maverick was the GM because at least there was like some sort of authority figure to give the show some credibility. Right. And I feel like same thing like Ron's Macdon has been kind of it feels like rudderless because it's been so long since there's been someone kind of like in charge. It, it almost doesn't even need to be a person or or anyone that we actually see. I remember way back in the day, WCW always would mention the competition committee. Right. Like, oh, the competition committee met today and decided that you that this person is going to get a shot at your championship, right? Who was the competition committee? Nobody, right? But in the minds of the fans, it was still somebody. It was somebody who was in charge of deciding what way things went, right? So they could they could literally just do that and have the competition committee right or whatever they wanted to call it but as an anonymous group of people who uh got together backstage to decide who gets the next championship shot um or whatever yeah competition committee is um you know checked in and said um because you cheated on your last match you're gonna now face these two people in a in a fatal four-way or a triple threat or inside a steel cage or whatever right um but, I mean, NXT is a perfect example of how having a general manager for it works so well. And William Regal's not a heel or face general manager. He's just a general manager. But it really works well to have a person that's theoretically in charge of everything. Uh, so when things don't go the way of the heel champion, they can blame this guy. Or when they do go the way of the heel champion, they can blame this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just as long as it's not the whole Michael Cole uh, announcing what the GM <laughs> not not the anonymous Rod yeah, GM, the Oscar, which turned out to be Hornswoggle. Doo -doo -doo. God, was it? I totally forgot. Yeah, it was Hornswoggle <laughs> because it was like there, it was like one of the random like segments and like it was like glitching or something, and then uh, 
someone like looks under the ring. Something like the GM like said something like really weird, and so I can't remember what heel it was. Like pull like goes under the ring and sees feet and pulls out Hornswoggle was holding a laptop, and like that was it. There there it was. They were like, oh, I get the Hornswoggle. Like now we know. Oh jeez. Yeah, that's probably. See, I feel like they've been doing these bad storylines then for quite some time. Like they've written it in, and they were like, "Oh, it's gonna be this person," and then they scrapped it, and Vince didn't like it. Oh well, it's gonna be Hornswoggle because that's gonna be some good S word, you know? Like, yeah, people uh, are gonna laugh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> laugh at you, not with yeah, you. Yeah, not at, not at the segment. <laughs> Jeez. But um, yeah, I guess my final misdemeanor kind of sort of thing is uh, going to Sammy Guevara for jumping the gun and uh, throwing a legit chair at Matt Hardy and uh, completely cutting him open. And uh, yeah. oh, that was and it was more than than even just throwing the wrong chair because they had a uh, I don't want to say gimmicked chair, but a chair that was prepared uh, for that. But the way he threw it went. I don't know if you've seen the slow motion version of that gif, but he he doesn't throw it flat at Matt Hardy. So Matt Hardy could put his hands up and and take the bump on his face sort of a thing, but really block it with his hands. He torpedoed it straight. It came in completely horizontal straight at uh, Matt couldn't do anything to get his hands up in time for it. And it just nailed him. Yeah. Um, oh man, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy! You yeah. just came back, and now they're gonna have to do something <laughs> with you. It's because you can't like Matt Hardy's is like genuinely pissed. So like, what do you do here? You know, like you're not you. So it's one of those situations where someone's not gonna be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you do? Do you do you torpedo Sammy Guevara's eventual push um, by having Matt Hardy just destroy him at at the match, right? That seems like the best way to go in many ways, but at the same point, Sammy Guevara, I've said this before, as long as he can keep his his uh, proverbial nose clean, he is a potential, he is a future AEW star. Oh yeah, right? he is 100% the future of that show in many ways. But that's that's keeping keeping himself clean and and I mean clean as in not doing any more stupid shit like. Uh, joking about raping Sasha Banks you know um, but also not doing any more stupid shit like throwing a chair right at a legend's face yeah one who has I mean Matt Hardy's obviously shown like if he doesn't feel like respected enough he can either he'll just go somewhere else or call it a career like he's fine mm-hmm. at this point he's he, he wants to help these younger guys at AEW and so it's like if Sammy pushes the line too many times where you know where do you draw that line it's like you get and it's like you can't abandon the storyline. AEW's proven they like to mm-hmm. see things through. So clearly they're not just going to drop Sammy and Matt Hardy to make them both happy. Like they're going to do something with it. So did you guys uh, see, what was that? Did you guys see Matt Hardy's YouTube video of him talking about it? I, like, I, I didn't cool? see the actual YouTube video, but I read like an article where like with clips of what they took from him. And he, yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> so that was genuine anger then. That wasn't part I, of the run of him I, being angry. I think so. Because he's... He's kept his YouTube stuff like pretty, like to what he's how like how he's really feeling. He keeps it pretty like non kayfabe. Mm. Okay, yeah, because I mean he, he could have 
killed him too, right? Like, so I don't know if you know this is Khan is going to do something drastic, like suspend Sammy again or something. But um, yeah, that was just completely misguided on Sammy's part for sure. Well, like I say, I mean, we have to take a little bit of it that it was indeed a mistake, and everyone makes some mistakes sometimes, right? Yeah, um, for sure. But at the same point, there also has to be repercussions for things. And uh, that's why about the only thing I think that they do is they uh, they torpedo Sammy a bit. They throw him under the bus here. They have Matt Hardy beat the tar out of him. And then they roll on and Matt Hardy goes back to mentoring uh, Private Party again or whatever and helps build them up as kind stars. kind of entertaining on Dark. Yeah, it was tons of fun. Uh and and kind of roll on with that and and then you know put sammy you know in a feud with someone else and have him work his way back up for it i mean it definitely put sammy behind again and considering he just came back from a month you know this is not the direction he needs his career to be going right now but yeah but anyways we will go ahead and move on to commendations this is the pleasant time where we talk about what people did that was good so not <laughs> sammy guevara <laughs> right now um uh, my commendations i don't know it's there's so many to do i can give it just to aew in general uh the show this week was darn near perfect and uh aside from matt hardy almost dying um you know the the match with uh uh trenton and chucky t versus santana ortiz was not just a great match um, but storyline-wise, told a great story with Santana Ortiz going out and destroying Trent's mom's fan. Uh, the the match with um, Darby Allen versus John Moxley that sold them both as superstars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, probably one of the downside matches, and I'm gonna say this, uh, and I know you're gonna uh, people are gonna disagree with me. Probably the worst match of the night probably was the 12-man tag match with the Elite and FDR versus the Dark Order. Uh, Too many people, right? It was a great match, but it's just so hard to to follow what's happening, right? Uh, But after that, you had MJF in his headquarters, right? (laughs) You know, um, giving the guy hell for uh, the poster not being 100% level, all of that stuff. That was fun, right? The uh, uh, Cody and Matt Cardona versus John Silver and Alex Reynolds. How was? How is it that the two jobbers from the Dark Order put on a more entertaining match than the entire Dark Order earlier in the night to me? Could it be that it was Cody and Matt Cardona? Possibly. Um, Matt Cardona looked good. Um, about the only worry I have with him is he did wrestle a little bit of a WWE style. And keeping in mind that he is about the closest thing WWE has to a homegrown talent overall. That's kind of worried, but... Yeah, he's very WWE-ish in the ring. I hope he mm-hmm. really comes out and makes his own style again. It's got to be hard, too. I mean, he's just, like, he's homegrown WWE. So, you know, the guy has his style that ultimately he has to completely just change up because we're we're bored of him in WWE because of that and who knows man maybe that's why he wasn't pushed in WWE but you know we've also seen 
great superstars not get pushed. So hopefully it's not that and he does become entertaining at some point. I do have to amend my previous statement. The worst match of the night was Big Swole versus Reba, but that was because it was designed to be a bad match because Reba was supposed to look like a horrible wrestler for that. So, um, And then the whole thing with having Scorpio Sky come out and basically challenge for the TNT Championship, Scorpio Sky is one of the future stars of AEW, and it's about time that it gave him you know some some place to shine on the show so that's my commendation is basically all of aew um they all did phenomenal this week and and the ratings showed it and i hope i hope we see in the near future them break a million for watching it because they're doing a great job yeah no that's fair mark do you want to go second uh yeah sure i realized i forgot to give any misdemeanors but uh <laughs> uh i feel like for accommodation uh i'm gonna give it uh to to nxt for just sticking with uh this week what's like the stuff that's working with their with their women's division like figuring out ways to keep different talent relevant like at the same time you know dakota kai and you know i mean yes ruining Rhea ripley is kind of frustrating but um you know, I'm going to give it to them for their women's division for just every week, like with that many stars, still finding a way to keep people like relevant and keep the matches different and try to like keep establishing like their women's champions is like, you know, a real champion. You know, like for me watching NXT, like the women's title to me is, you know, we'll see what Keith Lee does with the men's. But like I'm more entertained to see what they do with the women's titles every week than I, you know, you know the tag titles or the the North American title or something like that. Yeah. No, uh, we've talked many times on this show about NXT is probably the best women's division in professional wrestling overall. Most entertaining. WWE as a whole has the best women's division, but NXT is the crown jewel of the women's division right now. Um, it does remind me of a misdemeanor I should have filed, uh, but fucking Pat McAfee, what oh, are you man. doing on my TV screen? <laughs> Uh, I yes. get it. Just Dude. get off. You're a punter. Oh, you punted him in the head. Guess what? We already have a wrestler who does the punt. We don't need a former football player doing the punt, right? Okay. Yeah, it's probably got to be the worst storyline that WWE's ever done. That yeah. feels like the raw thing. Yeah, it's like they're trying to... It's like they want to call up Adam Cole, but they don't... Like, there's not a good moment right now, so they're, try, they're like, treading water. Uh, so they're just like, well, let's just figure out something that'll, again, pop a rating... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because as, as dumb as it is, Pat McAfee has a pretty large fan base who will tune in to watch him on a pay-per-view. But also, I don't think Adam Cole is going to re-sign either. So, I don't know. They might just be giving Adam Cole this little snub too because there hasn't been uh, him re-signing yet or any word of him re-signing. So... Maybe they're just trying to make Adam Cole look bad. I don't think he's going to get called up unless he resigns. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Vince is, they've shown kind of like with uh, Ray Mysterio's kid, like using his son as kind of like a leverage point of like, well, if you want him pushed, you know, you might want to think about resigning. Right. Uh, do you see them doing kind of the same thing then, like with Adam Cole? Because obviously he's uh, dating or engaged to Chelsea Green, who was called up and then magically has disappeared. Um, to to correct you, he is dating Brick Baker, who's oh, yeah, in Brick AEW. Baker, sorry. Um, Chelsea Green is yeah, engaged to Matt Cardona, <laughs> who just appeared on AEW. So um, 
uh, but yeah, Chelsea Green reportedly has been called up. Um, I think they are worried that uh, that Adam Cole Bebe is going to head over to AEW if they don't re-sign him. And so this might be them trying to play both sides of the game. You know, uh, offering him a contract and a potential either call up to to a main roster or another run with the championship or something like that. But at the same time, trying to destroy his character as much preemptively here. So if he doesn't sign, they could be like, well, that's OK. He got beat by a punter, you know. Um, so it might be a little bit of both. Um, don't get me wrong. I would love to see him in AEW's. Uh, 100%. I was a fan of Ring of Honor, Adam Cole, baby. Uh, so seeing him come to AEW would be tons of fun. But at the same point, uh, I just know the WWE fanboys come out of the woodwork every time a former WWE star shows up on AEW saying things like, oh, they can't build their own stars. They've been around for a year, dude, right? Uh, it takes time to build your own stars. And in that time, if you have a chance to sign Tom Brady, you sign Tom Brady, right? Yeah. It's the same sort of thing here. And I'm not necessarily saying Adam Cole is the Tom Brady of, of professional wrestling. He kind of did. But he's, but he's, he's at least the Brett Favre of professional wrestling. And if you're, if you're a football fan in America, um, there was a period that it didn't matter what team you were, uh, if Brett Favre had come available, you would have probably said, hey, "We should probably sign him." You know, um, may- maybe there were two or three teams at the time that wouldn't have said that, but the other twenty-eight teams would probably have said, "Yeah." We should probably sign him. Um, he, you know, Adam Cole is a great catch no matter where he goes in terms of a wrestler. And a lot of it is, I've talked before, I, he really understands um, his position in wrestling. He is almost always going to be the heel, but the heel's job is to make the face look good. Whether it's in loss or in, in sec- success, uh, in the end, the heel's job is to make the face look good. So it doesn't matter if it's a heel beating up on a jobber or the heel going into match against the star of the show. The match has to be a good match. And in the end, even if the heel wins, the face has to look good. And Adam Cole seems to understand that uh, better than almost any wrestler on the WWE roster right now. So um, I would love to see him on main roster WWE. I just don't think he would ever get the success there that he deserves. Um, just like Ricochet um, and Cedric Alexander, who are both phenomenal talents, and they languish on the main roster because guess what? They're not big, absolutely ripped dudes. And that's what Vince McMahon thinks the world needs to see. Um, that's why Jinder Mahal became WWE champion when there were a hundred other wrestlers who were every bit as good or better than Jinder. Um, but we're small and skinny dudes and not big jacked muscle men with back. Right. But yeah, no, I would love to see uh, Adam Cole, Bebe go wherever. Um, I just don't love to see him wrestling Pat back. I don't know how you go from him beating, uh, him having a fantastic match with Keith Lee to him having a match with a punter. Yeah, not to mention, obviously, the rest of the Undisputed Era will get involved. And so it just brings, it's going to bring all those guys down. I, uh, 
I I really do feel like they they shot themselves into a work. I really do feel like Adam Cole legitimately blew up on that podcast that that was not a work that that was him legitimately. I, I don't know, man. I feel like that was kind of always a work though. That's a weird thing to do. Like No, I I 100% feel like that was that was his his ego. Um not even ego, pride. His pride getting the better of him. And uh but then WWE was like, well, crap, we sent him on this podcast to popularize our show with the Pat McAfee fans, and then he does this. Why don't we have Pat McAfee just come in and beat him up? Okay. But is Pat McAfee, is this guy actually a crazy wrestling fan? Like, I've never heard of his podcast until this time. Oh, he's he's been involved in WWE for Yeah, he for does, like, he does a lot of the pre-show, like, pay-per-view stuff and oh. yeah, he's a he's a pretty huge wrestling fan oh okay mm-hmm. um, so why would he have mentioned those comments to him then you see what i mean it's gotta it had to have been a work throughout this whole time you would have already met adam cole you would have already known his style you would have talked to him already you know what i mean and then you go on a public platform and you completely lash out at him and then or make fun of the guy and then the guy lashes out at you has to be a work it has to be like I get we want to think everything's real nowadays, but Pat McAfee's entire podcast show is about pushing buttons. That that's really what his whole thing is. He's he's one of those. He's not the Joe Rogan style podcast where it's just like I want to talk about stuff. He's the confrontational and and tries tries to get that. And so um, I I one hundred percent see him pushing Adam Cole's buttons enough that Adam Cole's pride got to him. Because he, he was saying things like, you're such a little guy, you know? Um, and frankly, Adam Cole isn't the biggest guy. Uh, but it does not matter because he's still one of the best wrestlers on the planet. So but that's why I, I 100% think Adam Cole blew up. And this is WWE trying to pivot it into as good of a positive as possible. But you know what the best pivot would have been? Just roll on and ignore it and let it let it die and then just make it into a character where he starts just exploding on people that sounds wrong but just you know like just getting completely angry and frustrated in nxt and then eventually building a feud with someone like that you don't have to get him to go against a punter like this is so wwe-esque in the sense of something vince would do on raw or smackdown like well i mean the simple fact is that that character of of someone who blows up when you insult them is the perfect way to eventually break up the undisputed era, right? Exactly. You have Roderick Strong, you know, they're they're doing an interview talking about how they're going to be draped in gold again, and and Roderick Strong just offhand make us a, uh, a joke about how yeah you're going to have little Adam Cole beat Keith Lee, and then Adam Cole just go ballistic. Right, that would be a better way to do it than have him face a punter. I and mean, for- I would love to see that Roderick Strong versus Adam Cole. Like, give me what I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, give me what I want. Exactly. <sighs> but well, I think that's enough for commendations and and then talking misdemeanors. Unless anyone else has anything more, I think we will start to wrap this uh, up for the night. Only thing I'll say is like kind of like a mini little misdemeanor for AEW is that they should have mixed in their women's tournament on Dynamite and on YouTube to help promote both because their women's division needs a, a bigger push. I felt like that was a missed opportunity. 
I agree. I kind of, I guess, understand why they might be doing this. Um, because the biggest problem with their women's division is... Kenny is Omega. A, is a lot of them are green. <laughs> no, I don't think... I think Kenny Omega's booking is solid. I think that what they've been running into is that their wrestlers as a whole have been relatively green and not able to tell the storylines as effectively. Um, they've also been hit recently by injuries and by some wrestlers not being available because they're overseas. But um, yeah, this this women's women's uh, tag team um, tournament, I you know, while the matches as a whole were decent and I enjoyed it, uh, Brandy was by far the worst wrestler out there. And and she's the face of the division they built her up at. So in that respect, I'm glad that that Brandy Rose spear to win that match did not air on TNT. Uh, because that did not present AEW's women's division the way it needed. Now, the other matches uh, did for the most... I mean, former WWE Funkadactyl Cameron looked better than Brandy did. Uh, yeah, true. So. I mean, I would agree that I wouldn't even agree to the fact that she's the face of the division, though. I don't uh, like. I, I don't see like. Oh, if 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 Brandy did like, I consider Britt Baker more of the face of the division, or um, um, what's uh, or uh, Nyla Rose more the face of the division more so than Brandy. Well, yeah, you can say that, except Brandy is the one spearheading this whole thing. She's the one who's uh, going on interview talk shows to talk about the women's division on AEW and how she's decided to spotlight the women's tag match. And she put together the deadly draw to show that women's tag division is... is... She's like Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, um, I mean, that can be a little nepotism, you know, when your husband's executive vice president. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it's just like the Stephanie McMahon bringing in the woman's revolution. You know, yep. the Stephanie McMahon isn't the face of the woman's division. It would still I, I be show, if, show. If if you asked a hundred people um, who the face of the WWE women's division was, if that hundred people was not all diehard wrestling fans, a lot of them would say Stephanie McMahon because she's the face that they recognize and the face they know. And I bet you if you asked 100 people who the face of AEW's women's division are, the person that they would know is Brandy because she's the most prominent face. I mean, the simple fact is, two years ago, did you know who Britt Baker was? Nope. Two years ago, did you know who Nyla Rose was? Two years ago, did you know who Hikaru Shida was? Or uh, Penelope Ford? Or Chris Statlander? Nope. The, the answer is no to all of those. Two years I, ago, I, did you know who Brandy Rhodes was? I did a not. lot of people would say uh, yes because yeah. she was an announcer in, in WWE. She went on the road with Cody and wrestled all around the world in New Japan and Ring of Honor. She announced her uh, in WWE. Yeah, in NXT. Yeah. She yeah. she oh. was hired to be a wrestler and they pivoted her to to, uh, to announcer for ring announcer and never gave her any wrestling training even though she wanted to be a wrestler yeah she just oh, left wow. at the same time when she just left when cody did mm-hmm. oh wow okay and that's the deal now i'm not saying she's absolutely horrible there are there have been 
over the years, wrestlers in WWE that I've thought were worse than Brandy is. And so I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on Brandy uh, as a whole, but I'm saying if you're trying to show off the AEW women's division, Brandy does not set the precedent the way that you want. There are other wrestlers, like Hikaru Shida's phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. Showcase her, right? Penelope Ford is great. You know, I get it. Uh, Britt Baker and Chris Statlander are both out injured, and those are two of your future stars. Um, Nyla, you know, they had to make a um, a executive decision with Nyla in this uh, deadly draw because if if you put Nyla with anyone worth their salt on, uh, you know, she'd win the whole whole thing, right? Single handedly, she'd Braun Strowman it and just destroy everyone, right? So you had to put her with someone who the fans as a whole have a bad taste for in the former Funkadactyl Cameron, um, Ariana Andrews, uh, I guess is her real name. Anyways, um, but like they had um, the the other team that was uh, Tay Conti and um, Anna Jay. They looked phenomenal. And I cannot stress this enough. Anna Jay has wrestled nine professional matches in her oh, wow. entire career. Dang. And she looked better than Brandy did. Um, and Tay Conti, of course, the former NXT wrestler, Tainara Conti, Conti um, looked phenomenal. And I, I really hope they're signing her to a long-term deal. Um, because, yes, they've got talent they need to show off. Um, I think storyline-wise, they could use having a little bit better storylines overall, but I give them at least a little slack because they did not expect Britt Baker to get injured and not be able to wrestle for two months. They didn't plan on Chris... I mean, obviously, Chris Statlander was their plan for the next star of the women's division, and then she has to get ACL surgery or MCL. I can't remember which one it was. Um surgery so she's out so they they've they've had to pivot on some of the storylines that they were planning on but that's part of the job with professional wrestling is you gotta you know take those lumps and roll with it but um you know be Priestley stuck overseas in in japan with her boyfriend um you know uh uh shanna stuck overseas um Shasa McKenzie stuck overseas. You know, I you can go down their their women's roster, and thirty five to forty percent of them are stuck overseas. Riho and Yuka Sakazaki are all in Japan. You know, uh, so so what are they supposed to do right now? They're doing what they can with who they have. Um, but I I wish it would have been on TV, and maybe this week they'll put one of the matches on TV, but at the same point, I'm glad that that Brandy Rhodes alley match was not on TV because it wouldn't have put the division forward in the way that it needed to. Um, The other side of the coin is by having them as a YouTube show uh, on Monday afternoons, in a way they can showcase the women better because, I mean, it was a 40 minute long YouTube show. They can't invest almost half of their AEW Dynamite to this any week. So if they would have put it on Dynamite, each of those matches would have been five minutes long instead of 20. True. So. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, just to why not on Dark then? 
why not make it on the same day as dark and have dark start an hour earlier or something why are you going to make it a random day that no one is really paying attention and you can at least put the your best match have it pre-filmed and put your best match on the card um for the eight because the whole kit the whole point is i don't have to see the entire event you can just give me one match promote it hey it's going to be on youtube it's going to be on aew dark at 6 p.m so the aew aew dark is going to be two hours long and you go you'll get to watch the rest of the tournament there like just they have to have more smart marketing smart marketing for everything they promote aew dark which is great but i heard no promotion for this woman's um women's tag tourney that they're doing aside from honestly doing this show <laughs> um in, and i think they mentioned it once on aew that it was happening and they showed i think a little clip but aside from that man they're just doing a horrible job at marketing it um yeah no you you say that um but i'll point out that the aew uh women's tag tournament has almost twice the views that aew dark had this week on oh, youtube so okay. so uh I mean, obviously, it worked for them. I agree, they didn't promote it nearly as much as they should have, but they did promote it, not just on AEW Dark, but on Road 2 and on Being the Elite um, a bit. They didn't announce, they weren't clear about when it was going to air, but at the same point, I'm going to use NXT as uh, setting a precedent. Um, the Mae Young Classic was not done on regular Wednesday night NXT. May right, Young Classic was wasn't done on, done on Raw. It wasn't done on SmackDown. It was done as its own separate show on its own night on the network. So af- effectively, that's what they're doing with this. Now, I'll give you points for them not not uh, promoting it well enough and not announcing it well enough. But really, that's what they're trying to do. They were trying to create an event outside of the D channel, uh, dip their toes in the water. I think. I think and I don't mind just give me give me more promotion mm-hmm. promote even just your... maybe even highlights at least or something some yeah I'll least. give you both of those both of those. I do I have a feeling and this is me speculating a bit um I have a feeling that a lot of what we're seeing right now both on AEW Dark and on the Deadly Draw Women's Tag Tournament are pilot runs for their second show because we know that part of their deal with TNT when they signed their extension last week, last year was uh, that they were going to get a second show whether it was on TNT or TBS it hasn't been announced yet but there was going to be a second show uh, and right. speculations was it was going to be a two hour version of AW Dark uh, I kind of have a feeling that this deadly draw is kind of dipping their toes like a pilot program of trying to see what's going to work and what isn't going to work, what they can put together to to make that show, that second show, feel different than what they're currently putting out. So, you know, maybe so, we'll see this come more to fruition once that second show gets fully announced, that maybe women's tag will be a focus of the second show. Um, I mean, I hope not. I hope not, though, because they can barely do anything with an AEW having just a regular woman's segment on one show 
let alone dedicating a full two hours to it or a full hour to it. I didn't say I didn't say it would be the sole focus, but a focus. Just like okay. AEW Dynamite, you've got the TNT champion, the world champion, the women's champion, and the tag team champions having uh the second show also have the tnt champion on it also have the world champion but then have instead of the regular tag belts the women's tag belts be the focus of that show like a thunder yeah okay that's that's my suspicion i don't have like insider information that says that's what they're doing i just can't help but feel that this is them experimenting and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work um, because they've, they've kind of on the record said they don't want to announce the next show until crowds are back. Uh, oh, and wow. Okay. And so, so yeah, it could be a while. while before we officially get that show announced. But this is when you then use YouTube as your incubating chamber where you, you try out some different things and you see what works and what doesn't work. Effectively, AEW uh, is using YouTube like the house show circuit, right? So, um, and in some ways that's what's hurting WWE right now is they don't have a house show circuit because so many of the things that have worked out for WWE over the years were things that they tried out on the house show circuit over a few months and worked some kinks out of it. And then they bring it to the TV where it's official canon, but they haven't had a house show in six months almost, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And so WWE doesn't have that incubating chamber where they can try out stuff right now. I feel like AEW is using YouTube, being the elite, Deadly Draw, AEW Dark, Road Two series. Um, I, I even Sammy Guevara's vlog. I feel like they're using all of these things as as test tubes to try to see what works and what doesn't work. What can we throw out there and see if people, the fans like this and the fans don't? And they don't have to put it on Dynamite necessarily unless they see the fans responding to it. I do agree. It would have been nice to have seen, at the very least, a recap of the Deadly Draw. At the, at the absolute very least, an advertisement for the next week's Deadly Draw, where they say, tune in on Monday on YouTube for episode two of the Deadly Draw, where you will see the next set of tag teams. But at the same point, because they are are doing it as random draw and we don't even know who the participants are, who would they have announced that wouldn't have destroyed the storyline? You know? Oh, but on, you could put the announcements on Dynamite and then that's how you promote it. Like, just do the pick there and that's it. And then make that happen. Like, and I don't want to just see a little thing at the bottom, like where they show the AEW tick shop and then they show a few things at the bottom. I want them announcing it. You know what I mean? Like, you need more promotion. And I love what AEW is doing with their YouTube stuff. That's like their network. That's like their AEW network, if you will. Oh, yeah. Um, which cool and WWE to be honest with you should be doing the same thing um, with maybe even adding Facebook watch onto that and adding YouTube and so on if they want to play into that house show perspective they can absolutely do that or get some kind of more original wrestling program and putting that on their network I would have much rather loved to see this retribution bullshit on a WWE network thing than on one of the main rosters of Raw or Smackdown you 
you know, and they could have seen, oh, okay, yeah, people are liking this retribution thing. Let's bring it on Raw. Let them take over Raw now. They they took over the WWE Network and people liked it. Let them go on to one of the main shows and do something. You know, like WWE should learn from AEW in that regard uh, so that they can see what sticks and what works with the fans. Uh, but maybe that's putting too much work into everything and Vince already being crazy as is. Who knows? Uh, but at the same time, WWE knows how to market their stuff, whereas AEW still falls flat on doing so properly to promote your stuff. Now, in in fairness, I will point out that while um, the first episode of The Deadly Draw did get uh, 527,000 views on the YouTube channel, um, the highlights from the Matt Cardona and Cody tag team match got 519,000 views for the highlights. Um, and the highlights of wait until you see what Sammy Guevara did to Matt Hardy has 805,000 views. <laughs> so uh, the, some things are working better than others, and, and they're finding that out there. But, uh, but it, that at least was on AEW. And so a lot of people probably told people to go check that out. That was word of mouth. That was promotion, whatever, if you will. Whereas 500,000 is still pretty impressive without any marketing behind it. I didn't know there was a women's tournament until I saw Nyla Rose picking out a, a thing and them announcing something. But then that's all I've heard. The only time I've heard anything about this women's tournament is, again, this podcast. Like, I'm not always on the dirt sheets looking and da-da-da and following everything all the time. And I'm pretty sure neither is your regular wrestling fan per se. It's only the hardcore fans who are looking for everything, sure. But you want to get those people who watch the show. Because some it, it's a lot of wrestling, huh? Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW. You know, you, that's it. A lot of people have other things to do. I get we're all stuck at home and doing stuff. But we're going to do other stuff. If you know we're watching your product and you're getting 900,000 viewers... Hey, there's a there's a tournament going on here. Here's a highlight video of what happened last week. This is what's gonna happen now. Next week's show, go to our YouTube channel here at 2 p.m. or whatever and check it out. That promotion is is not a bad thing. That's not gonna harm you in any way, shape, or form. That's gonna make your 500,000 without any publicity probably go to that 800,000 for the Matt Hardy and Guevara thing. You know, yeah. But, yeah. although I'm also gonna point out that the highlights from Warhorse making his debut um, two weeks ago has 912,000 views. Um, so uh, what we've learned from this is Warhorse is better than Matt Cardona and the women's team. <laughs> but Warhorse has a huge following though too. Warhorse does. So, so that's Warhorse where that. Is awesome. And there you go. And that's where that comes into play as well. He has. He Warhorse has been promoting himself since he's been Warhorse, the indie scene. He's been having followers. So that's through his own promotion from Twitter and so on and so forth. And hey guys, I'm on AEW. Blah blah blah, and so on and so forth. That's all AEW needs to do. Just just give me highlights. Make me interested into the product because it's a lot of wrestling, like I mentioned, and. Just, you know, give me, to, uh, show me some nice highlights. Oh man, that match looked awesome. Let me go check it out now. Oh, okay, that match is going to look pretty awesome for next week. I'm definitely going to make a point of checking it out. If you're not going to tell me anything, uh, I'm not going to watch it. If you're not promoting it on your own TV channel or your own TV uh 
episode, then you're you're basically telling me at the same time there's not really much going on. If we're not announcing it, then hey, it's not necessarily that great. I get they have a lot of other stuff going on too, but it's a quick announcement. You know, it's not a it's gonna take a, an hour of our time to showcase all this and it's going to destroy all the writing for the rest of the show that's all I'm yeah well yeah. i mean we can debate back and forth on that all we want i don't get me wrong i do wish that they would do a little bit more promotion of it i get it right but at the same point i'm also glad that they put it on youtube so that they could give them 20 minutes instead of five minute matches on for Dynamite, sure. so. and uh, yeah yeah uh, that's it but um, but on that note, we will close the book on the wrestling booking unit. Um, you know, before we go, uh, I'd like to remind everyone that our guest, Mark, here uh, has his own podcast. So, Mark, why don't you tell us uh, where they can find the podcast and, and give it a, a little refresher on what it's all about again? Yeah, so uh, pretty much uh, Facebook, Twitter is the same, at Phantom Effect. Uh, every major uh, podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, Pandora... Uh, and as of this Saturday, uh, we'll also be on uh, Redline Radio, uh, syndicated out of Toledo, Ohio, every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can catch uh, past episodes and me going live and talking about stuff. And really, the podcast is designed in two parts. Uh, I bring on various guests who are involved in the, I guess you could call it the fandom industry. So voice actors for Funimation. Uh, you know, movie movie actors, uh, you know, comic book artists for indie comics, DC, Marvel, people like that. And I have them kind of talk about not only what they're up to, but what they did to get to where they are as, you know, advice to pass on to other people. And then, you know, I just kind of go over news with myself and friends, you know, what's going on in the industry with Sony and Xbox and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So I kind of just kind of take nerd and geek pop culture and I bring on guests that are in those industries and try to find out, you know, how did you get so successful at it? Excellent. Excellent. So like he said, the fandom effect, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts or if you happen to be in the Toledo, Ohio area, you can listen to it on the radio. You know, the thing that you have in your car everywhere. Yeah. And there will be an app so you can download that too and just take me on the go. Awesome. Awesome. You can always find me on Twitter at Raw and Order WBU. You can find DA Fabe at whatever he has, but he's not here today, so he doesn't get a plug. And you can find JLB at JLB420. Real Talk Radio is the brand. That's at Real Talk Radio 8, anchor.fm slash RTR. We have a website which I still haven't edited, but it's there realtalkradio.online because .com and .ca is so bland and overrated. We're online, so it works. And uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Make sure to like this episode um, on whatever podcast platform that you use. Uh, share it, review it, subscribe to it. Um, make sure you get notified of every episode as it gets posted. I've always said, I'll say it again, sharing it is the easy and cheapest way to support this podcast. So if you like what we do here, just put it on the gram. Say, hey, go listen to this and and uh, we'll, we'll love you for it. 
love you forever for it. Uh, if you want to support us in other ways, shop.spreadshirt.com slash raw and order WBU is where our uh, merch is at. You can get shirts like uh, the Not a Cop shirt or the shirt that says the link is in the doobly-doo, which is a great place that you can find the link for that right now in the doobly-doo. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have our Patreon if you really want to support us. Patreon.com slash raw and order WBU and the review of WrestleMania X7 is now up in full on Patreon for all subscribers, all patrons there. So I put out the 30-minute um, preview of it. That's just the thir- first 30 minutes of the show, and this was a long show. So if you liked what you heard in that 30 minutes, hop onto Patreon, support us there, and you can get the entirety of that episode, as well as access to our um, Discord server, uh, some other sweet perks like the ability to um, be on the show and actually uh, talk about what you want to or come on our fantasy booking show and challenge us to book something of your own design. So all of that stuff on patreon.com slash raw and order WBU. But on that note, I'd like to thank our guest Mark for coming on here um, and uh, thank JLB for showing up and thank <laughs> DA Fabe for not showing up, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll give him all sorts of crap for it later, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, but thanks everyone for listening. We will see you soon. Mm-hmm.